covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in. So good to have you with us as we are getting closer and closer and closer to the start of the regular season. Still a lot of questions to be answered for the Brewers as we do get closer to opening day. Uh, We'll discuss some of those things, including the big news of the week. We'll do that on this week's show. As always, our uh, housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you listen to the podcast and app podcast and want to live a uh, ranking review and subscribe as well, that would be fantastic and very, very, very much appreciated. This week on the podcast, our featured guest is uh, Kyle Loebner. He is uh, somebody that you can read in the uh, Shepherd Express. He has his uh, daily This Day in Brewers History that he does on his uh, Patreon, which is really a whole lot of fun with some of the stuff that he is able to uh, find. Of course, he's part of the uh, team uh, with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, uh, providing them content for uh, their website as well. So look forward to talking to uh, Kyle in just a few moments. Let's obviously start with the big news of the week, and that was the reported addition of Jackie Bradley Jr. as he is brought in on a two-year deal. I'll say, let me just start with this. It's something that's kind of been, uh, I don't know if bugging me is the right word, but there's been some social media reaction to the two-year deal with the second-year opt-out. And the thing that kind of struck me was how the way things, the, the verbalization of something can really impact the way people view it. So it's called a two-year deal with an opt-out after the first year. And there's been a lot of people on social media who have been, oh, he's going to opt-out after that year. This is a one-year deal, yada, yada, yada. And I I understand why there's that thought. And you know what? It, it's probably a good thing for the Brewers if he does opt-out after one year, just in the sense that he has played well enough in his one year with the Brewers that he feels like he's going to be able to go into free agency and get a much better multi-year deal, kind of investing himself. But... You don't know what's going to be going on with the collective bargaining agreement, just him having, uh, and you don't know if you're going to have a great season. So from his perspective, there's a little bit of a safety net with it being a a two-year deal with that opt-out. It's basically the exact same thing as a one-year contract with a player option. The only difference is a lot of times when there's that player option, there's a buyout that goes along with it. But for... For all intents and purposes, it's the same thing. There's not really much difference between a two-year contract with a player opt-out or a one-year contract with a player option. They they function very much in the same way. And I was just thinking to myself as I saw a lot of the reaction on social media that if, if this was a one-year contract with a player option for a second year, nobody would be discussing and being upset about the idea that he's going to opt out of his second year. But because it's been framed as a two-year contract with a player opt-out, there's people who seem to be upset that he's going to potentially opt out after the first season. So it's a, it's semantics, right? Just the way that people can look at things in, in different ways. And I really think just because it was verbalized out as a two-year contract and not a one-year contract, um, People have that kind of reaction to it, if that makes sense. It really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. What does matter is how it's going to impact the way the season goes and the way he is utilized. Because the Brewers essentially have four outfielders who are starting caliber outfielders, right? You have 
Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, Avisail Garcia, and now Jackie Bradley Jr. So how is that all going to play out? Is there enough at-bats? Is there enough time that it's um, that's going to work out? I've said this over and over and over, and if you listen to my post-game show during the year uh, on WTMJ, you hear me say, like, any time... A lot of times it's when, you know, player X is set to come off the injured list in four days and there's not a roster spot available. You're going to hear me say this. It always works out. It just, it it always works out. Somehow, some way, because it's baseball, it always works out. So I'll say that here. It's going to work out. Uh, They, whether, no matter why it works out, it's going to work out. I think most specifically, though, I think we need to look at the impact that this could potentially have on Lorenzo Cain. Brewers manager Craig Council this past week, while he could not specifically talk about Jackie Bradley Jr. because the uh, contract had yet to be confirmed, he made it incredibly clear that Lorenzo Cain is the center fielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. And... That's that's good, right? That's good. Here's the thing I will say, and, and I agree with that, and I think we saw Kane get off to a nice start last year after a little bit of a down 2019, and all indications were that he was going to have a pretty good season last year. But at the same time, Kane's not a young guy anymore, and we have seen that as players get older, you want to give them a little bit more time off. This is a This is an argument I had a lot when it came to Ryan Braun. I would say all the time, and people would push back on me, and people would push back because of the money that Ryan Braun was being paid. I would say all the time that I think you got more out of Braun playing less games, that his impact in less games was greater than his impact would have been in more games. Managing his body knowing that he was going to go on the injured list a few times a year, that sort of thing, I thought that was something that really giving him those off days gave you the opportunity to maximize output from him. I don't think it's an apples-to-apples comparison with Lorenzo Cain because Cain's body is clearly in better shape than what Ryan Braun's body was here over the last few years, but I think the main idea stays the same, that if you can start putting some off days in for Cain that might be a way to really maximize what he can do. Now, I'm not talking about him going out there and playing 85 games or 100 games. Uh, he's still going to be in there more than that. But if you can give him some – and he's not somebody who's going to want to come out of the lineup either. That's going to be – they're going to have to – there's going to be conversations to be had uh, between him and, and, and Craig Council just to, to, with, with the way that's going to work out. But being smart with his body and giving him some time off, that might be something that could really maximize what he could do. And then all of a sudden, you're in a situation where in those games that he's not playing or on those days where you give him half the day off because the team's up big or the team's down big, you got Bradley to go play in center field. And it's a, it's a good thing for the team. I also think the defensive impact is going to be huge, just absolutely huge. And this team has gone all in on defense this year. When you consider what they've done up the middle, I mean, the, the idea of the up the middle defense being Colton Wong, Orlando Arcia, and Lorenzo Cain, and then you can run out Bradley there whenever Cain's not available, that's fantastic. Uh, they have gone all in on defense, and we're going to talk about this a little bit coming up uh, in our featured conversation uh, with Kyle Loebner in a few moments. 
But the idea that uh, in, in a year where the baseball is being dejuiced, they're they're going to a new baseball or they're going back to the old baseball, however you want to term it out. A year where you've got defense that can really go out there and play well, especially in the outfield, but in the infield as well. Uh, there's just there's a lot of reasons to to maximize the defense, and that's what the Brewers have done. So I don't know what it's going to look like. At the end of the day, we don't know how it's going to play out uh, with those four guys in the outfield. Craig Council will tell you that there's no such thing as a fourth outfielder on this roster. At the end of the day, you got four guys who are used to playing every single day, and if if you're giving them all playing time, they're not all going to be playing every single day. It's hard to imagine a scenario where you're intentionally trying to rest Christian Yelich as often as maybe you would try to rest a, uh, a Lorenzo Cain. Uh, there's there's some platoon situations, and platoon's a bad word, but there's some there's some righty lefty situations that you can certainly use to your advantage as well when you've got Bradley uh, in your on on your roster. So there's there's just a lot of things going on there, and if somehow some way. The universal DH is added before the start of the season, which I, I don't think it's likely at this point, but I also don't think is impossible. Nothing's impossible at this point. Uh, all reports and all indications have been that baseball is going to push forward with the standard rules, uh, no DH in the National League, standard playoff, yada, yada, yada. And But if that were to change, and it could change, they, they added the expanded playoff last year just as they were getting set for opening day. So until... Until I see a pitcher hitting, I guess I'm not going to 100% believe that the universal DH is completely off the table. And I still feel like that's something that's going to be part of the next collective bargaining agreement. And an expanded playoffs going to be part of that as well. And sidebar on that, if Major League Baseball and if the Major League Baseball players had a much better working relationship than they do, there would be a universal DH this year. And there probably would be an expanded playoff this year. But there is zero trust. There is zero trust between the two sides. I think especially from a player standpoint, they have zero trust in this whole thing. So if they're going to give up something, they're they're not thinking about it in terms of giving up something for this year. They're thinking about it in terms of how does this set things up for our bargaining position for negotiation of the next collective bargaining agreement. So nothing would say that they're going to come back together. Going to be fun, though. Look, it's that's the... You have to appreciate it. I've been saying this for a few weeks that I felt like the Brewers still had some money to spend. I think that got proven when they reportedly went in as hard as they went on Justin Turner. And now they're spending, they're, they're adding a pretty solid salary in Jackie Bradley Jr. In fact, top four, I think I saw this. I, I didn't confirm this. I, I, somebody tweeted this out. Was it, I, it may have been, I don't know who tweeted it out. I'm sorry. Somebody tweeted out. I, I like giving uh uh, maybe it was Will Salmon. Maybe it was Will Salmon. I'm just trying to think through it. Uh, just mentioning the fact that the top four paid players on the Brewers roster are all are uh, all outfielders. It's uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch how this whole thing plays out over the course of the year. But it's certainly going to be fun as well. And no matter what, if it's a one run game going to the seventh, going to the eighth inning, I think you can be pretty sure that Lorenzo Cain and uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. are both going to be in the outfield because uh, those are those are going to be those situations where if you go all in on defense, you got to have those guys in late in games to be able to uh, help preserve a, uh, a victory where you're leading by just a run or two. All right, we will get into uh, much more on Jackie Bradley Jr. as we move into our featured conversation this week. It's with 
Kyle Loebner. He uh, writes for the Shepherd Express. He uh, contributes to the Timber Rattlers website. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at ByKyleLoebner. Let's get to it. This week's featured conversation. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. We're very happy to welcome back onto the podcast someone that you can read uh, in the uh, Shepherd Express. He's got uh, his uh, daily This Day in Brewers History, which is part of his Patreon, which is something you've absolutely got to check out. You can follow him on Twitter at ByKyleLobner, L-O-B-N-E-R. As you might figure based off that introduction, it is Kyle Lobner. Hey, Kyle, always appreciate your time. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I am good. I appreciate you taking some time and uh, certainly an interesting week this past week uh, for the Brewers. And let's just jump right in with the news of the week with the addition of uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. What's your uh, what's your takeaway on, on this addition and what it really means for the team as now all of a sudden, once again, they've got uh, a number of outfielders the same way they had uh, a number of years ago? Yeah, the timing on this move was fun. Um, I had just gotten done with a piece for Shepherd Express uh, 10 days ago now, um, looking at the Brewers and how they might be a fit for remaining free agents, and had kind of concluded that Jackie Bradley Jr. was not a fit, um, but that stranger things had happened. Uh, and within a couple hours after that, the first reports started to come out that the Brewers were interested in Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, and it's on the surface, it's a move that I think raised some eyebrows and, and some question marks. Uh, but the more I think about it, the more it, a, it makes sense, and B, I think it fits the character of a Brewer front office, which now has really shown a strong tendency to pick up value first and worry about fit second. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly that was the case when they acquired Colton Wong and moved Kessinger to first base, where he's never played before. Um, it was the case when they had Travis Shaw at third base and actually acquired Mike Moustakas two different times. Uh, and so, you know, it, it really makes sense for the Brewers to pick up some value on a guy like Bradley, who is probably underrated on the market, is a very good defensive outfielder, and now gives them interesting depth um, in a, a way that I think will be a little bit of a challenge to fit, but in a way that they've demonstrated that they can do before. Yeah, it's kind of funny because you actually said what you just said uh, on Twitter this week, and there was actually somebody uh, who tweeted back at you who accused you of being me because something I talk about all the time is that the Brewers don't necessarily say, okay, this player plays this position, so you have to get this output from them. Or uh, they, they just kind of put everything in a hat, and they, the eventual, the, 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 the 26-man roster needs to produce X results. It doesn't really matter how it comes that way. And that kind of goes back to your you know, not, you know, finding value, finding a way to improve the roster, and then figuring out the, the positional fit uh, at, a, at a later time. But this one is going to be interesting because all of a sudden, Craig Council will tell you there's no fourth outfielder on the team, and obviously they're going to try to get Lorenzo Cain some time off. And uh, there's some nice things you can do from a uh, from a righty lefty platoon standpoint. But when all is said and done, uh, you you've got four outfielders for three spots, so there's going to be some reduced playing time there. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I also think when you look at Lorenzo Cain um, specifically. He's a guy who's getting a little bit older. Um, he missed all of last or almost all of last season, obviously. Uh, struggled at the plate a little bit in 2019. 
I think you can make a case that 100 games of Lorenzo Cain or 110 games of Lorenzo Cain might be a much bigger contributor than trying to get 140 or 150 games out of Lorenzo Cain. Yeah. Um, getting him that rest, making sure his legs stay sharp, um, just getting him an opportunity to be in situations where he's at his best um, might be an improvement all around for this team. And I think you can make a really similar case for Avisel Garcia, um, who the Brewers asked to play center field last year a lot. He had not done it much before. Um, and over the course of the year, you know, the, the wear and tear of playing center field every day, um, if you've never seen how much a center fielder runs in a game, um, the difference between being a center fielder and a corner outfielder, I think, was significant. Um, and so if you can get both of those guys some more rest, you know, whether that's a, another day or two a week for Garcia or another day or two a week for Kane, then it's possible that adding Jackie Bradley Jr. makes the Brewers better because it improves, you know, that fourth outfield spot and it makes those other two guys better. All of a sudden, you've got an outfield that's a, a big bounce back. And I think, you know, that has to be part of the math. Um, it's just getting guys a little more rest. Um, and Bradley certainly gives them an opportunity to rest guys when they need it and not take a step back. It certainly seems like this is a team right now that is prioritizing defense, and maybe not. that's not something that they've always done in, in previous years. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, I think, you know, like we talked about before with positions, I, I think this is a team that prioritizes finding value. Um, and and it, it just happens that finding value this time happened to be a guy who's a really good defender. Um, but the flip side to that is that if ever there was a time to prioritize it might be this season, um, because with the baseball itself changing, um, with the, the baseball being deadened a little bit and home run rates being reduced a little bit, um, all of those balls that are not home runs are now balls in play in the outfield. Yeah. Um, and so all of a sudden, if you have, you know, the Brewers now have the capacity to have two former Gold Glove center fielders and a third guy who can play center field in the outfield at the same time. Um, when you are turning a lot of fly balls into outs, when that's the thing you're good at, or when you're really good at getting the balls at the wall and getting them back in and preventing guys from taking the extra base, that may be more valuable this year than it's been in a while. Um, and so, you know, there's an element to that that I think could be. You know, it's all speculation because we don't know how much the ball is going to be different. But if the ball is different enough that it makes a difference, the Brewers are going to be well-positioned to take advantage of that. Is it just me or is it ridiculous that the reports I've seen is that the ball that's being used in spring training is not the ball that's going to be used in once the regular season gets started? They're using last year's baseball, basically. That seems crazy to me. There is nothing about rule changes that baseball does well. <laughs> no, there's not. Across the board, that, that's a universal statement. Um, but yeah, with that said, you know they they seem to be prioritizing getting rid of the 2020 baseballs that they already paid for. Uh, which, sure, if that's what they want to do, but but yeah, it does create a big question mark because when we try to figure out what the playing environment is going to look like in 2021. Um, part of that question is when the ball is going to change, and part of that question is how much of a difference is it going to make. I don't know if we'll notice it or not, um, and I don't know if we'll see, you know, one night in Detroit you'll be able to tell they're playing with the new baseball because all of a sudden it's one nothing, but in Seattle it's 14-12, to 12, and so they're probably not. You know, I, it's going to be a, a weird storyline to follow through this season. Uh, the only thing that maybe is weirder than the last few years' storyline of what's going on with the ball is going to be now the storyline, when does the ball change? Yeah, you're right. And it's, 
Uh, I, I had a conversation with Craig Council this week that's actually going to air as part of a preview show on Wednesday. I've already recorded the conversation, and I, I asked him about going through an offseason where he really didn't know what rule changes were going to be like, and he told me that you know the that baseball is just not getting it right in terms of knowing what the rules are. And I think he said you know verbatim, we have to know what the rules are going to be in the season during the offseason, and baseball is not doing a good job with it. Um, so, I mean, this is... This is something that's not just fans and not just media who's paying attention to. You got you got a major league manager saying that it is basically ridiculous that the rule changes are are, are never really a hundred percent until the season gets going, and that kind of connects to the baseball thing as well because pitchers aren't going to know how the new baseball is going, how it's going to react until the new baseball is actually implemented. Yeah, no, I, I wrote about this. I tweeted about this. Um, I think before spring training, when we still didn't have an answer on the universal DH, um, you know, and some of the other things that were out there, um, the commissioner's office, by its nature, the, the job of the office is kind of to be the fall guy on some of the things that people don't like around the sport. And so, you know, part of the job is sometimes being the bad guy when things happen. Um, but in this specific case, uh, the the mismanagement of potential rule changes and the uncertainty that comes with it um, and the way it impacts conversations around the sport and really the integrity of the sport itself, this is fireable. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, just, it's to the point where it is every conversation about baseball is about what's wrong with baseball. Um, and that is cultivated top-down. Uh, because of the way Major League Baseball is constantly tinkering with stuff like this, and because of the way that when these conversations don't go anywhere, they don't let them go. Um, and so, yeah, the, the narrative around baseball um, is quite clearly something the commissioner's office needs to take some blame for. Um, and it would be, you know, at some point when baseball decides to move on to a new commissioner, I think it's going to be one of the reasons we see cited as to why. Yeah, and you know what? That's I wasn't gonna go down this path with you, with you but you you brought it up. Like I just I don't feel like Rob Manfred is good for the game of baseball, but I do feel like Rob Manfred is good for the interest of the owners. So that's why I feel like uh, it's it's not a situation where you know, previously the, the the commissioner worked for baseball, worked for the owners, worked for the players, worked for the fans, and now it's the, the commissioners basically working for the owners. So we can sit here and say, well, when they make a change in commissioner, but the people who can do it are having their interest uh, defended. And sometimes r- local team owners don't have to go be the bad guy because they got this guy sitting in a big office in New York who gets to be the bad guy for them. And so I just don't see a scenario where there's ever a push to m- remove Manford unless he doesn't want to do the job anymore. I think that's probably fair. I mean, I, I think what you're seeing in the commissioner's office is probably um, a symptom of kind of what we're seeing across the game, which is that ownership interests and profit margins do seem to have taken um, a high priority over what's good for the game itself. Um, and I, I think ownership across the league certainly bears some blame for that. Um, and so, yeah, it is it is an issue. But I think eventually, I think eventually there is a PR tipping point um, where even if the owners think Manfred is doing a good job, it becomes the right thing to do public relations wise for the sport to move on from him. Um, and I think we're not that far from that point uh, because the the open question of does Rob Manfred even like baseball. Um, has been a pretty active question for a long time now. 
I'd like to say that I think I was one of the first who asked that question many, many years ago before it picked up steam. I'm just, I'm just taking that one as my own. Uh, not that Entirely other, possible. I'm sure other people came up with it on their own. It's just, it was something that I thought right. from, from the, from the first moment he started doing things, it just seemed like this was not a guy who had a love for baseball. And obviously, there's been, you know, when he referred to the World Series trophy as a piece of metal, I think that was the moment that a lot of people really started figuring out that uh, this guy maybe doesn't love baseball the way other people do. Sure. Um, back to the Brewers. That's why we've uh, that's why we've got you on. How we can't do a podcast without talking about third base, and it it certainly seems like Travis Shaw is going to be given every opportunity to to win that job. And quite frankly, the numbers he put up in Toronto last year, especially during the the, the downstretch of the season, uh, they would play better than probably what else they have. The question is, can he do that? Can he even improve upon that? But how comfortable are you with whether it's Travis Shaw or whether it's a, uh, you know, a group of other players who can play over a third? How comfortable are you with the type of production the Brewers may potentially get from that spot? I became more comfortable when they signed Travis Shaw uh, because I feel like at the very least at that point they have somebody who's done it well before. Uh, and I still think Shaw has more to offer than what he showed his final year with the Brewers. Um, I wrote about it, you know, a while ago now when the Brewers let Shaw go and signed Justin Smoke that I thought Shaw was a better bet to bounce back than Justin Smoke was. Um, with that said, no, it, it's hard to be certain. Um, and I, I think the Brewers have to hope that they get enough production from other positions that they can kind of bat third base, you know, seventh or eighth in the lineup for a while to start the year um, and hope it comes around. But, but yeah, it's an active question mark, and it's certainly a, a spot that may have room for improvement on this roster. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I think we're going to see Shaw a fair amount this spring, but I think we're going to see a fair amount of other folks as well. Uh, the Brewers have certainly accumulated uh, their share of infielders who can play third base. But I would hope that at some point the goal is to have somebody who is a third baseman um, and not just a revolving door of, well, today we're going to put this guy out there. Yeah, I, I frankly, I don't like the idea of Orlando Arcia playing third base because if he's playing third base, that means he's not playing shortstop. And with all due respect to Luis Urias or Daniel Robertson or whoever else you might have in there, like I have a, I have a really hard time rationalizing not having Arcia at shortstop if he's going to be at a game because he's clearly the best defensive shortstop on the roster and. I understand that maybe you want to give a guy some reps at short, so you or maybe you, you give Arcia a day off from short. But is is it really a day off if he's playing at third? Like I just I don't see the value in it. So all of a sudden, so I kind of take him out of the mix. And yeah, you've got Orius who can play third, but he's still he's a little bit banged up again, and he hasn't shown the ability to uh, really. You know, you look at what he did last year, and he just he wasn't the guy that the Brewers expected to get from him. And his bat doesn't always play the way you would want a third baseman's bat to play, even if the Brewers don't think that way. Uh, you're you're hoping for a really big step forward from a Daniel Robertson, who was a, a former prospect, but he hasn't done yet in the big leagues what you hope for he was do. There's some other. There's some other interesting guys that are in there as well, um, you know, whether it's a, a Matthias or a Green or a, you know any of those guys, Peterson. But it just it it doesn't really feel like if it's not Shaw that you're going to be able to get sustained production over at third. Yeah, no, I, I think 
one of the challenges the Brewers had last year was that they had several positions where they kind of had to mix and match like this through the year, and for the most part, it didn't really work out well at any of those positions, and that's part of the reason the Brewers' offense struggled as much as it did last year. Uh, for Arcia, it's a, a weird case where the defensive metrics and the eye test really seem to differ. Um, Arcia, you know, you and I have seen Arcia play a ton over the years, obviously. And when you watch him play defensively, he looks like an elite defensive shortstop. The defensive metrics don't necessarily share that opinion on him. Um, and so, you know, it's a, it's a case of, I guess, which you want to believe when you try to decide where he should play on the infield. But even if you think his defense is a little less than expected, having a defense first third baseman um, is kind of a, a weird luxury. Um, because compared to shortstops specifically, third base gets a lot less balls in play. Um, And so when you're putting a guy at third base to be a defense first third baseman, the number of opportunities he's going to get to show it off over there is just not real great. Uh, And so I understand the temptation to try to play Urias and Arcia at the same time in the infield and get the super defense, and maybe in late inning situations it makes sense You know, when that one ball in play could be a very big deal. Uh, but to try to play a guy glove first at third base, I think, really causes a pretty significant sacrifice on offense and one that I'm not sure the Brewers can afford to make. I'm not an advanced statistics expert by any stretch of the mind. I, I have I have the basic understanding, but nobody's going to pluck me and put me into a Major League Baseball front office to uh, to work in the analytics well, department. Yet either. So, but. <laughs> But I'll say this about RC because you're right. I mean, the 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 eye test and the advanced numbers don't always line up. I've always felt like you know RC is this is not RC is a guy who for whatever reason sometimes he has to be challenged. Like he gets into these lulls. All of a sudden he doesn't start playing well, and whether it's uh, them sending him down previously when they were able to do that, whether it's bringing in somebody to compete for him, whether it's just sitting him down for a weekend. I want, The biggest knock to me on his career in his entire time with the Brewers is how many times his play has dropped off and he's had to be challenged to get it back to a, to a high level. And sometimes I feel like the reason the advanced numbers don't back him up as much is because when – when he's in those slumps, all of a sudden he's not getting to the balls that you normally get to. Like the the defense lets down, and that's happened enough that I feel like that that has an effect on it. I I still believe that when he is playing at his best defensively, he is without a doubt one of the best defensive shortstops in Major League Baseball, no matter what the numbers say. I think that's probably fair, and I, I think. You know, with my rudimentary understanding of how the advanced numbers work, certainly inconsistency would lead to a picture where the average outcome is lower than you would expect. Um, And so, yeah, it's a question of how you keep him motivated. Um, He certainly seemed motivated at the start of the year last year, um, and then it kind of tapered off a little bit. Um, He did kind of the veteran thing where if you get off to a hot start right away um, and then you cool down, your numbers still look pretty good on the scoreboard for like a month or two months, and people don't realize how much you've tapered off. Uh, but with that said, you know, his career has been pretty up and down with the Brewers. Um, and so, you know, unless they can find a way to keep him consistently motivated, it's going to be a challenge to keep him as a guy that you consistently want in there. 
Before we let you go, uh, I always like talking to you a little about the Timber Rattlers, and they were the alternate training site last year. I don't think the Brewers have announced this year for that because there's going to be an alternate training site at the beginning of the year. I don't know if Appleton's been officially announced or what's going to be going on. Uh, but even that being said, uh, after Major League Spring training wraps up, the minor league guys, the, the single A and the double A guys, are going to get in there, and there is going to be baseball played in Appleton this year. Just after a missed season, what's the excitement level around the Timber Rattlers organization? that baseball is going to be played this summer? You know, I, I think we're all really excited to get back to the ballpark, and we're curious to see how the new schedule is going to work. Uh, the Timber Rattlers now for all of 2021 will have uh, either six-day homestands or six-day road trips every week with every Monday off. Um, so that's going to be fun. It's going to be you know, opportunities to really settle in and see the team for a few days and see the same opponent for a few days and get familiar with them. Um, and so I think we're all curious to see how that is going to look. Um, the the circuit formerly known as the Midwest League, uh, which at the moment still doesn't have a new name and is just High A North, um, is going to be a little smaller. Um, will give us an opportunity to become even more familiar with a small group of teams. Um, and the High A level, I think, is a, a bigger change than you know we have talked about before. Uh, the low A level, um, oftentimes guys were graduated up just kind of because it was time. Uh, they had played their season in rookie ball. It was time for them to come up to the low A level. Um, we're now going to see guys with full season experience up in Appleton. And so I think uh, some of the guys that get promoted here will probably be more consistently ready to hit the ground running. They're not going to need to adapt to the lifestyle or the length of the season. And so I think we're going to see, you know, maybe a, a quality of play increase as well. Uh, and so it's been really fun this spring uh, to get to watch Cactus League games and see so many guys who have been Timber Rattlers before. Um, but I'm really excited for baseball to be back here in Appleton. It feels like it's been a long time since I've been to the ballpark. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting back in my seat again the first week in May and getting started. Are you curious, though, what it's going to look like? Uh, you know, an example, like Ethan Small was – was brought up and you know pitched Friday home games for the Timber Rattlers mm-hmm. after being drafted. Do you think the Brewers are still going to be able to do that with high-end guys? Because if they do it now with the Timber Rattlers, they'll be skipping them over low A. Obviously, there was, a, there was some geographic reasons for it and everything. I mean, it's just a fantastic relationship between the Brewers and the Timber Rattlers. But do you think situations like those will maybe change a little bit now that the Timber Rattlers are up a level? You know, those situations have always kind of been case-by-case. Uh, Bryce Terang, the year before, as a first-round pick, played with the Timber Rattlers the whole year. The following year, he was a less experienced guy. Um, and there have been a handful of draft picks over the years. Uh, Corey Ray comes to mind. Brandon Woodruff comes to mind that have skipped the low-way level entirely. Uh, so there may be some cases where, yeah, you don't get to see a guy who was drafted that year right away. Um, I will probably have to scratch a story off of my Frosty Microbrews annual list because I usually write about the draft picks who come to Wisconsin. We may not see as many this year, uh, but we may very well see them in more extended duty the following year, yeah. um, which could be even more fun to get to see them as they develop. So, yeah, it's a, it's a give and take, I think, on the whole. I mean, clearly being up a level on the whole, we are going to see more advanced players. Um, we're going to see some a little more, and we're going to see some a little less. Um, but I still think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch guys come through. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of guys who get drafted out of college or undrafted out of college so they're a little older, they're 22, 23, 24, uh, and, and they go to what was low A, and 
they're they may even put up good numbers, but they're released maybe in spring training the next year just because they were, there was going to be no future. When you get to high A, all of a sudden those guys aren't around anymore, and there's such a higher percentage of guys who make it to the big leagues. I think from high A, even compared to to low A. Well, it kind of goes back to what we said before. I think low A is one of the last levels that you can kind of reach by default um, because you've played rookie ball and it's just time to move up. Uh, once you get to high A, you are mostly talking about guys who have earned the right to be there. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I think you're going to see, um, in terms of development, I think you're going to see more consistency. You're going to see more guys across the board who kind of belong at that level. Um, the low A level, I think, had a wider disparity of talent. Um, and I think that the result is going to be a little bit better baseball. He is Kyle Loebner. Follow him on Twitter at ByKyleLoebner, L-O-B-N-E-R. Uh, check out his – you know, I, I got to plug your Patreon, your This Day in Brewers history. I, got, I can't let you go without uh, talking about that because it's something that's really cool for Brewers fans to be able to experience. Yeah, I have been uh, starting March 25th of last year, every single day, uh, now almost a year. I have written about an event from that day in either Brewers or Milwaukee Braves or Wisconsin baseball history. Um, and it's, um, it's coming up on the close of the project. I think we're going to keep it going up until the 25th to get the, the full year in, and then I haven't decided what I'm going to do next with it. Um, but it's been a lot of fun to get to go back and look at um, you know, classic moments in Brewers history, some things that I remember, but maybe with some wrinkles that I didn't, or, you know, some things that look different in a modern light than they did at the time. Um, and often to learn about guys that, you know, I didn't know that much about. Uh, for example, I wrote about Red Wilson today, who was a Milwaukee native, uh, born in the 20s. He is a Badger Athletics Hall of Famer um, for his time as a football player. Took the Badgers to the College World Series, played in the majors through the 50s as a catcher. Um, and just a, a really fun story that, honestly, I didn't know that much about until I sat down to write today. Uh, so I keep getting good reviews from people who are really enjoying it. I'm glad to hear that because uh, it's been a lot of fun to write as well. I've learned a lot. Um, and if that's the kind of thing you're interested in, there's about 345 entries of it now at patreon.com slash Lobner. Um, you can sign up to support if you want. Even if you don't, it's free to read. Um, and like I said, I have new stuff there every day. All right, Kyle, great stuff as always. Appreciate your time, and I uh, look forward to catching up with you again real soon. Hey, thanks, Matt. Always good to talk to you. That is Kyle Loebner joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, going to uh, lift open the curtain a little bit for you, and Kyle didn't even know this. So I was recording this. Uh, I record this podcast from my home studio. And uh, my wife works in the medical industry, and she was on call this weekend, so uh, she actually got called in, and uh, meaning I was being uh, Mr. Mom to uh, to my two-year-old daughter. In the middle of the interview with Kyle, he uh, I look over, and my my daughter is watching Sesame Street, and I look over, and I had left a thing of water out right where our TV and our DVR and our Roku and everything was. And she loves to play with this thing of water that I always drink water out of. And she likes to just knock it over on purpose and spill all the water. And where I stupidly left my thing, if she would have knocked it over, it could have cost a lot of money in terms of what would have been ruined because of water going all over with it. So in the middle of that conversation with Kyle, I saw what my daughter was about to do. And 
I knew I had seconds, just seconds, to be able to run over and uh, get it and uh, stop her from destroying our, our entertainment system. And I asked him a question. I took the headphones off. I ran over. I got the water. I got back into my studio. Kyle was still answering the question, and he never knew that I ran away for a second. Now, I did tell him before we started recording the interview that if he gets done answering a question and all of a sudden I'm just not there, it's because I probably had to go do something uh, because I was uh, in charge. But he never uh, – and I, I should have told him the story before I uh, let him go. I didn't. So if he's listening back to it, he's hearing the story now. That yes, there was a moment in that interview where I had to take the headphones off, run over, stop my daughter from, uh, from destroying our electronics and get back and all was good. So there you go. Uh, speaking of things that don't have anything to do with uh, what we're talking about right now, but just a, uh, a shameless plug. It's got something. I mean, it's Brewers related. A shameless plug. Uh, this upcoming Wednesday night. So that would be, let's see, March. I'm looking at a calendar. Wednesday's the 10th. This upcoming Wednesday, March 10th on WTMJ. 6.20 a.m. You can listen, of course, at WTMJ.com. Uh, we are doing a spring training special. So every year, uh, bre- the Brewers hold Brewers on deck. And for those of you who have uh, been around and seen what we do, we have a really cool setup at Brewers on Deck where we have this big stage. It's right as you walk in, and we do a four- or five-hour show, and it's just people cons- constantly being brought on. Well, this year, no Brewers on deck, so we didn't have our Brewers uh, on deck live show. So to kind of make up for that, we have put together this uh, spring training special, and it is going to be coming up on Wednesday night. It's going to be from 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock on Wednesday evening, uh, streaming WTMJ.com. Of course, you can listen to it 620 uh, throughout most of Wisconsin. I've got the list. Hold on. I should have uh, like thought through this here a little bit before. Here is the list of folks that are scheduled to appear uh, we are going to have general manager david stearns manager craig council players that are going to be on the program include corbin burns keston hira colton wong brent Suter, travis shaw brandon woodruff and also uh, garrett mitchell he's going to uh, be on the show as well last year's top uh, draft pick for the brewers so that is going to be coming up this week six to nine on wednesday evening and uh, you can uh, for those of you who i know a lot of people listen to this show but don't or listen to this podcast outside of wisconsin you can stream the show at wtmj.com so hopefully you'll have an opportunity to do that and we look forward to uh, bringing that to you coming up this wednesday night all right uh, as far as the brewers schedule this week they actually had an off day on sunday which is uh, weird but uh, not that many off days during the course of uh, spring training, but they did have an off day on Sunday. They get right back to it coming up on Monday. Here is your schedule of games this upcoming week. They match up against the Angels on Monday, the Giants on Tuesday, the A's on Wednesday, uh, the Royals on Thursday, the Cubs on Friday, the Rangers on Saturday, and then the Mariners on Sunday. As far as games uh, that you can hear, uh, Monday's games, uh, excuse me, yeah, Monday's game against the Angels will be on WTMJ. Wednesday's game against the A's will be on WTMJ. Thursday's game against uh, the Royals, that will be on 94.5 ESPN. 
Then uh, Saturday's game against the Rangers, that's going to be on WTMJ. Sunday's game against the Mariners will be on WTMJ as well. Most of these games uh, are being run on WTMJ. Those that are not are uh, generally picked up as a webcast uh, over at uh, Brewers.com if they're not being broadcast on television on Fox Sports Wisconsin. All right, that's going to do it for uh, this week's podcast. Thanks again to uh, my guest, Kyle Loebner. Really appreciate him taking some time. Appreciate you for being tuned in, and we look forward to talking to you again Wednesday night for uh, the big spring training special on WTMJ, and then next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.